client is toxic. <laughs> that's my that's my favorite case. Because all right. Hello everyone, you are with the sixth episode of season number three of Hackcast. It's me, Ivo. Rado here. Rado is here. And today we are going to talk about when do we stop working with clients. But before we start, we have something to announce. Rado? Uh, yep. As you know, we are going for a thousand subscribers for our YouTube channel. And I have something special. What's that? Yeah, let me show this thing. So... This beautiful keyboard, we are going to give away this beautiful latest dust keyboard to one of our subscribers. Once we hit to a thousand subscribers, we're just going to pick one at random and send him, him or her this beautiful keyboard. It's dust keyboard, black on white. Wait, I think th those are the uh, more silent switches. Yeah, soft tactile MX brown switches. So people don't hate you. They're good. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to work with the really uh, loud ones, which is in the office and the blue ones. Yeah. People are not very happy. Yeah, they were. Okay, so yeah. last time we spoke about how we found new clients, which yeah. is pretty important and core thing in our in our business. Now we're going to talk about when do we stop working with a client. And when I say stop working with a client, I mean just ending our business relationship or figuring out a way how to go, uh, how to split paths and go without each other. Yeah. Uh, and we have a couple a couple of scenarios. Yeah. Well, basically, the, the, the first one is kind of obvious. It's when the client runs out of money, yeah. which happens from time to time. We are working with startups. Uh, yeah. Some of our clients are startup and, you know, startups, either either they go big or they just disappear. Yeah. Uh, so it happens. There is nothing you can do about it. And that's that's part of business. I mean, losing clients and ending a relationship with clients, it's it's part of the game. And it's really important. I think we were, um, a couple of years ago, we were not well prepared about this. Yeah. And we were uh, always suffering a lot when we had to uh, split with a client. But with time, we learned that it's part of the game. It's something that's going to, it's, it's going to happen and it's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. And the best thing we can do is to prepare for it, talk about it, figure out the scenarios and figure out what we can do on our end where we can do something so we are not caught uh, like uh, by surprise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, the first scenario is we work with we work with uh, startups and sometimes they run out of money. Yeah. Like there there's this concept of runway which is how many months do you have until you've basically <laughs> run out of money, money. In, in your bank. And sometimes yeah, we build something for them. Uh, this thing either does not find a mar product market fit mm -hmm. or it finds a product market fit, but it's not good enough and they just run out of money and that's fine. That's fair enough. And there's nothing, not much that we can do about it. Yeah. Perhaps the only thing that we can do about it is talk with our clients and figure out what's the exact situation, have a rough idea about runway. So mm -hmm. again, we're not caught by surprise. Mm -hmm. And that's why we were discussing before we started re uh, recording the episode that's why sometimes it's a better idea to give a fixed price to a startup and to communicate this with them so they can have better idea and better manage their funding yeah. and funds because if we just start working month by month mm -hmm. and they are not well aware of the runway, then suddenly they can run out of money. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's definitely a good way to work with a startup. However, some startups, they don't really know what they're doing at the beginning. So they just need yeah. a team to start working and see how the idea is going to pivot, see how uh, they're going to uh, find their market fit, if, if they're going to find it, of course, and uh, just have a re- reliable team for, let's say, six months, a year, something yeah. like that. Especially with startups that are entirely running off an investment yeah. without, without, many, without making any money. Yeah. Uh, it is extremely dangerous. And yeah, what we what we learned, because we've been in a situation where a client is saying, hey guys, by the way, uh, f- starting from today, we don't have any money in our bank account, uh, which is, uh, you know... A surprise! <laughs> surprise, yeah. Uh, which is uh, pretty pretty stressful. It was pretty stressful yeah. to us. So what we learned is that we need to, to speak to our clients on, on a regular basis, understanding how is the financial situation there. Yep. So we so so we are not surprised, surprised we don't have money anymore. And the other thing that we learned from those cases is that we also need to have a good runway. Uh, we need to manage the runway our, ourselves, meaning worst case scenario, uh, all clients suddenly disappear from tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Mm-hmm. So we started managing this and uh, I think so far we are doing it in a good way. It can be better. For sure, but at least we started monitoring this because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we were not. Yeah, yeah. Say it in other words: it's good to have money in the bank oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're doing business. It's important to have money in the bank so you can pay your bills. Uh, then this is this is usually case number one. Case number two for me is kind of an extension of case number one, where the project is just being closed due to various reasons, mm-hmm. and running out of money can be one of those various reasons. But then it can be like a shift in priorities. Yeah. A like this, this is no longer important for the client mm-hmm. or the client tried it and decided it's not going to pursue this particular thing. Mm-hmm. So all of the all of those things are not bad. I mean it's they're fine. There are things that happen. This is how business goes. And again it's very important to talk with the client and have a good idea of where things are going. Yeah, we've been in situations where the technology is so far ahead from the business that the client needs yeah. a couple of months off for the business to just be on the on the same spot, which is kind of a let's stop developing things for now because we really need to figure out how how, how to sell how to sell those things and what we are going to do with these products that we already built. So let's stop it for a couple of months or for for more than a couple of months until yeah. we figure out what to do. Exactly. Yeah. And this this is this is this is a usual case, as you said. We can stop working, then six months pass, then we resume working. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. For example, another round of investment is raised, and we can be back on track. Yeah. Or, or sometimes the project is just done. I mean, the product is is, yeah. is working. It's on production. Clients are happy using it on a daily basis. We don't need such a big team anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which sometimes is planned, sometimes is not not planned so well, but it is something that happens pretty often. Yeah, it's it's a possibility. I think I I, I would say it's a rare thing to for a project just to be done and nothing else to like. It requires no more attention. But yeah, well, at least some support for sure. Support for sure. But when something is done, it's done. <laughs> Uh, and that's why that's why we started talking with our clients more regularly because uh, it's it's by communication that you figure out runways that you figure out priorities and w- it's really important not to burn the bridge and destroy the relationship because they've run out of money and oh no 
we don't want to work with you anymore. Don't call me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's not the way to do it. And uh, I believe we are handling things pretty well. I think so. Yeah, uh, with with those scenarios. So those this was case number two. It's just like there's something happening with the project, and we no longer need to work with uh, that client on that project. There's case number three, which I think is the most nuanced one. And this is when there is a shift towards outstaffing. All right. And this is a hard one because what, what do we mean by a shift towards outstaffing? Well, this usually happens in uh, one, one, or two, one or two scenarios. Scenario number one, we're working with a scale up. Things are going really well. The product is going really well. It's it's selling, and then the company decides to raise a more serious funding round. And at certain points, uh, the investors themselves would like for the client to have either a CTO or a VP of engineering in house. More control over the tech things. Yeah, to have more control over the tech things, and usually this is when things can start shifting towards outstaffing because up up to then. We, as a Hacksoft team, we have our own agency and our own ownership of on a certain part of the product or most of the times the entire product. And then there is uh, a shift towards the client will take control and the client wants to manage the people and uh, call the shots on what technology is going to be used. Mm -hmm. And that's completely fine, by the way. I'm not saying that this is bad. That this is this is to be expected, and that's completely fine. And the other scenario where such things happen is when we work with client, and then this client gets acquired by another company, and this another company has uh, their own engineering team. Yeah. And now there are like two engineering teams. One is Hacksaw, the other is from from the other company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in those cases, it's extremely important to, especially for us to communicate on time and manage expectations on time and decide how we are going to work forward in the future. Are we going to be a strategic partner or are we going to help them off-ramp from Hacksoft by training their people and transferring our knowledge and then finish working with the client? Yeah, just just give an example here. Um, imagine you are a startup, just just starting. You 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 don't have any technical people uh, on board. So what you do is hire Hacksoft to do a stable software and do the yeah. uh, help you basically having a stable partner. Uh, and at some point you grow bigger and bigger. You you actually find your market fit. You find your um, clients, and you're going for a bigger investment, right? And at this point, the investors are saying, oh, in order to, to, to receive this investor investment, you need technical people inside. That way you're yeah. going to uh, to uh, improve your uh, company evaluation, right? Yeah. Having more people on board and having the know-how, the technical know-how inside the company. And in this scenario, clients are normally, they, they don't want to, to lose Hacksoft because we're providing a lot of a lot of value yeah. and it's hard for them to, to hire and manage their own technical teams. Yeah. So what they try to do is to make a mixed team between Hacksoft and some folks that they hired yeah. and potentially bring a CTO on board that is going to take the decisions, yeah. which sometimes is fine. But the problem is when someone else is taking um, uh, technical decisions, 
that we will need to suffer from. Yeah. That's why we really like to take our own technical decisions, at least for the parts of the software that we are going to take care of. Exactly. Because being a developer in a situation where you don't have to the, the right to say, hey, I would like not to use this technology because in my mind, it, for example, it's, it's, it's not a perfect fit for what we are doing, yeah. is really powerful. What we do, and we talk uh, about this at length in the first episode of season three, is we build software and we provide value for our clients. And we tend to mm -hmm. be quite pragmatic. We tend to push towards production and we tend to be productive and uh, know what we're doing. And this is something that we've built internally in Hacksoft as a culture. And that's why we don't do outstaffing because then we lose this culture because our people are just separated and spread in, in other teams where they have no agency. So we are always looking for agency and ownership. And we're always mm -hmm. looking for a team where we have our own technical team lead taking control and managing the rest of the folks from Hacksoft. Mm -hmm. I, and I think this is the line which this is the outstaffing line for us which we try not to cross when someone else starts managing our people or someone else forces way too much technical decisions without those technical decisions actually making sense for us because in the end we will be the one carrying out the tasks with those technical decisions and if we don't have control over this then it's a really shitty feeling to be working in such a team. It is. It yeah. is. And when we say that we don't do outstaffing, it's not because me and you don't want Hacksoft to do outstaffing. Yeah. It's because the people in the company, they don't want to be outstaffed to different companies. Yes. They like working in Hacksoft for Hacksoft, bringing value for our customers and being managed by the team leads in Hacksoft, not by the team leads in some other companies. Very well said. They like working for Hacksoft for that client through Hacksoft, but not the, not directly for that client mm -hmm. because we have a different culture. We usually have a different team culture from the clients that we work with. And uh, this, is, this is really important. And in order to avoid this shift towards outstaffing, it's really important to communicate on time whenever we feel this thing is coming or whenever we feel this thing has started. And not only communicate, but communicate as explicitly as possible with um, potential scenarios, with potential cases, with diagrams, with written text, not only spoken words, yeah. uh, because English is not our native language. And sometimes it might be the case that we have not articulated ourselves very well. And uh, that's why, at least for us, it's very important. And I sit down with the client and figure out... Uh, what, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. And usually there are two potential solutions to whenever the shift starts, outstaffing starts. The first one is we sit down, we decide that Hacksoft will continue to be a strategic partner for that client. And then we neg negotiate on how this partnership is going to look like. We say, what is a deal breaker for us? They say, what's the deal breaker for them? And if we find common ground, then we just continue working and we, we continue providing value. Yeah. And not only value in building software and, adding, and providing value for the client, but also we've done, we've, we've trained people for our clients. For sure. We've made them better developers. We've, we steered companies in the right, um, uh, towards the right technical decisions mm -hmm. that paid off after this. So yeah. we're doing quite a lot of things and we're doing this quite proactively. Like this is what we do. Mm -hmm. And if we do not find common ground, then 
the best way forward is to separate, like stop working with the client, but not drastically. We, we don't like making any like very uh, drastic changes. Uh, and we then talk about an off-ramping scenario. Usually, ta- usually it takes six to nine months. They hire people, we train them, we transfer knowledge. Help them hire. Help them hire, downscale little, little by little, and eventually stop working with them. Mm-hmm. Which is not <clears throat> a bad thing in any way. Yes. At the beginning, we were like, oh, that's definitely a problem for our uh, business model. We are working with startups. At some point, they either fail or they go too big to uh, work with, um, with, with Hacksoft and they would like to hire their own team, what we're, what we're going to do. And now it seems like this is a normal way to go. And, yes. And we are just happy to uh, get a client that be- became so big that they don't really need us anymore. Exactly, yeah. And it's a good thing. And if we do our part well and like separate, uh, stop working with this client on good terms, um, the follow the case study that follows up is even more valuable because we help them, for example, get to Series A, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is which is big. And yeah, that I think that this covers the shift towards outstaffing. Case number three. Case number three. So yeah. running out of money. Priorities change. Something happens to the project. Case number three was shift towards outstaffing. In case number four, client is toxic. <laughs> that's my that's my favorite case. Because all right, to be honest, we really need to define what toxic is. Because it's really easy to say this this guy is toxic and we don't want to work with him, but we didn't actually manage to find any uh, good way communicating with him. We it it is. It is up to us actually to understand the client and uh, understand what what they need, find a good way to communicate with them, find a good way to work with them longer term. And uh, we really need to define what toxic is because it's pretty So for example, if the client is too pushy, do we determine this to be toxic? It really depends on how, but most of the clients are pushy. Most of the clients, they want their work to be done as fast as possible and... Uh, in uh, yeah, basically as fast as possible. Yes. But 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 we need to find a way to manage this. We need to find a way to communicate expectations. We need to find a way to communicate deadlines or or estimations or whatever they they need to be yes. to be happy. And we need to find a way to work on the appropriate rhythm for for the yes. client. So I don't define being too pushy as as toxic. Um, to me, is it's more about how you treat people, yeah, and how you are talking with them. Yeah. And um, I think that is th- this is the the most important thing. If you're not yeah. being nice with the team in, in in any way, I can flag you as as a toxic client. Yeah. Of course, after speaking with you about this a couple of times before yeah. that. About being too pushy, I think we discussed this that uh, clients tend to generate chaos, and we tend to get this chaos, buffer it, order it, and produce software out of it. Mm-hmm. And we have gotten pretty good at this. And I think clients realize this and they're happy working with us because we communicate really well expectations and what's possible and what's not possible. Now, there are rare cases where clients are too pushy with very vaguely defined things with yeah. uh, extreme deadlines. Mm-hmm. And we try our best to talk through this and set some expectations and set some boundaries. And none of this is working then for sure, the client 
we, we will deem the client toxic and uh, stop working with, with the clients as soon as possible. Uh, the thing that you that you mentioned, if the client is swearing a lot and it's treating our people really badly, mm-hmm. then this is this is a totally no go for us. Yeah, like really a no go. This this we determine this client toxic straight away and we do whatever we can to stop working with that client after again after addressing it but if we address it and if we address it like um a few times and there is no change no we just we just stop working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what about client trying to recruit our people now we're we're <laughs> into red flag territory yeah <laughs> so we had we had this we had this if a client tries to recruit some of our team this effectively um breaks the contract mm-hmm. we have a clause about this yeah and effective immediately, we stop working with that client, and we that, that, that's it. The bur- the bridge has been burned. Yeah, we've been there, I think, a couple of times. Yeah, so clients don't do this. Don't recruit other people, folks, please. Yeah. Uh, don't try to recruit, because it's don't not about to, yeah. recruiting, it's about trying to recruit, because yeah. 99% of the cases, you won't be able to recruit someone from another company. And the, the, But just trying says that you don't actually give anything about the, the, the partner you're working with. And what happened to in those those scenarios was that the, the folks from Hacksoft, the, the, on the on the minute, they send us a screenshot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 30 minutes later, we, we terminated everything. Like, yeah. It's, to, it's a total no-go. Yeah. It is. Um, what else? Not paying their invoices and holding, a, holding us ransom with invoices. Red flags. <laughs> We've been there a couple of times. Red flags all the way. Yeah. What we what we did before when when someone didn't pay an invoice on time, it was we just continue working and we hope that the invoices are going to be paid at some point, hopefully. Yeah. Which and I we, guess I think we were we were we were we were, to, we were talking about something like four, five, six months worth yeah. of payments, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not like a month. Well, yeah, yeah, and the 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 further it goes, the better situation the the worst situation you're in because yeah. you cannot just stop working with the clients because you're already down six invoices and yeah. you need to figure out a way for the clients to pay you the invoices and stop stop working with the client is definitely not a way to to get your money back and the re- the really toxic clients they will try to hold your ransom yeah. and say oh no no i'm going to pay but i need you to finish this first yeah yeah or or yeah let let's just release the production and then we'll figure out the the money part which is, again. This, yeah, this goes back to the first case also. For example, if we haven't uh, realized that the client uh, has no more money left, mm-hmm. but we continue to invoice and we continue to work, then it's parts on us because we should have known better and should have yeah. communicated earlier that this is the case so we can stop working on time. Mm-hmm. But if the client is holding us ransom, then the lesson that we learned is Usually in our contracts, we have a net 30 uh, clause for mm-hmm. invoice, m- meaning after we issue an invoice, we issue invoice uh, on the very last day of the month. Yeah. And we have 30 days for this invoice to be paid. Yeah. On net 31, like on the 31st day, if this invoice uh, has not been paid yet, what we usually do is we just ask, send an email. Hey, this, this, what's this, up? Yeah, this invoice has not been paid. Is anything okay? And most of the times the clients are. Hey, I, I totally forgot. Sorry about this. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen again. And really, it never happens again. Uh, but then, if this thing continues to occur, 
like month after month after month, then uh, it's a red flag and we need to have a more, uh, how to say, what's the word for it? Hard. More, yeah, <laughs> tough, hard discussion yeah. ab about this. Mm -hmm. And if we go into two months, then just we stop working. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, you just go into months and months and months of um, invoice that invoices that have not been paid, and it's really hard to. You kind of want to continue working because the client promises you that is going to pay, which is really bad. And clients, they 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 always promise they're going to pay. For example, oh, like in ten days, I'm going to receive a big payment from our clients, yeah. and I'm going to to cover the invoice, which which again is a red flag to me, it because is. if you don't have enough money right now to to pay your core partner Hacksaw. Yeah. That's that's basically you are really on the red with finances. And that's never a good a good thing. Yeah. And that's why I mean it's it's kind of unconscious bias for me, but whenever a client pays like within a week, it I always feel good and mm -hmm. we tend to uh we tend to go go above and beyond for all of our clients, but for those clients that pay on time, we even go further than that. Yeah. And that's why clients, if you have the money, just pay your, uh, pay the people that work with you and uh, build your stuff on time. Otherwise, it's really uncomfortable. It is. Yeah. <sighs> have you watched the movie Memento? I don't think so. No. Uh, <laughs> I think so. The plot is the the main character wakes up every day and he doesn't remember like what happened in the past two months, something like this. Mm -hmm. And no matter what he does during the day, he wakes up on the next day and he doesn't remember anything. That sounds scary. Uh, <laughs> this sounds scary, but does it sound familiar to you? Yes, it does. We had a client that felt like a totally different person every time we communicated with him. Yeah. So we, we, of course, had daily communication, discussing priorities, discussing what needs to be done. And on the next day, none of the existing priorities or none of the existing things that we even spoke about were even on the table anymore. Yes. Which is really hard to work with. It's really easy to say, hey, this person is uh, toxic. It's an idiot. We, we don't want to work with him. So we tried a lot of different strategies. We tried to put things down so they are in, in, in written communication so we can always go back there and say, hey, you said that you need this feature this week, for example, and we are working hard for this. Uh, but, but, but none of the different approaches we took actually worked out. Yeah, we tried everything. And like this particular client had no recollection of any previous discussions we had. No matter if we had the recording, if we had everything written down, yeah. no recollection. Mm -hmm. And every discussion was something new. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's it's really hard to work <laughs> with like this. That, 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 I guess, is kind of common for people that are working on a lot of things and what we are, what we are doing with them is not their main business. It's not their main thing. Yeah, I suppose. And they're spread across a couple of different businesses and they, they just can't handle it all. Yeah. Uh, and... I don't consider this toxic, but it's really hard to work with such people. Yeah. And at some point we just gave up and we gave up. Yeah. We gave up and we stopped working with the client. And this was there. There was some uh, uh, invoice, uh, not, not paying invoices on time uh, sprinkled around. So yeah. Okay. Okay. That, yeah, that definitely adds to the yeah. picture. Yeah. And I think that's about it. It's an interesting topic, but it's a topic that we have to discuss. Mm -hmm. When do we stop working with a client? And those are the four cases that we have uh, 
like we've encountered so far. Yeah. Running out of money, changing priorities, shifts, shift starts, hot stuffing, being too toxic. And we learned a lot of lessons the hard way, uh, discovering all those all those four all those four different types of yep. um, relations that need to be cut it off. Uh, and we'll most probably discover more in the for future. For sure, for right? sure. And we will revisit this once we discover more ways to part ways with clients. Yeah. And once again, we are currently at 446 subscribers and we are aiming for 1,000. We're going to do a giveaway, this beautiful keyboard over there that I would like to get for me, but we are going to give it away. It looks awesome. So please, like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends so the Hackcast channel can reach out, reach the goal of 1,000. channel. Hacksoft channel can reach the goal of 1,000 subscribers. And I will say nothing else. We'll just hold the keyboard here. Thank you.